Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Uh, welcome to episode four of season one of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. Again, I'm Jason along with Tom, and we are, Tom, I don't know if you have realized it or not, we are single digits away from college football. We are recording this August 15th, which is a Thursday. We have Miami versus, or Florida versus the U coming up nine days from today. You excited? I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more stunned either if you uh, if I woke up, my head was sewn to the carpet. <laughs> you <laughs> like knew my, that was coming. Like, like my daddy used to say, I'm as excited as a mosquito at a nudist convention. Mm, that's very exciting. All right, I hope you had beer in your mouth is the reason you didn't laugh at that because that was darn good. All right, so today we're going to break down a couple of games. We, as you know, the first three episodes we're kind of scrambling for for uh, material, and uh, but now, hey, we're 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 should be in our wheelhouse. Uh, today we're going to break down what I what we have discussed is going to be the top two games of the of week zero, which I hate that term by the way, week zero, but we're going to use it because everybody else does. But week zero, week one, I feel like the top two games involve ACC teams. You have uh, week zero is going to be Florida and uh, the U, and then week one is going to be Auburn, Oregon. And I guess I, I have not really checked out um, the rankings yet. I know the AP is yet to release a, a poll. But how many other ranked games do we have in week one? I mean, Auburn, Oregon are both going to be ranked. Is that it? I can't think of another one. Yeah, I believe that's it. Those are, those are going to be the only ones. Yeah. So we're going to look at that today. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into that. Let's let's start with uh, the U versus Florida. 
I have, of course, the big news coming out of uh, Miami this week was that Tate Martell, the uh, the former quarterback who I guess we felt like he was the heir apparent to uh, Dwayne Haskins after, you know, Haskins finished last year. Uh, Justin Fields decides to transfer to Ohio State and Tate Martell and uh, Blaze of Glory goes out with uh, and Twitter, tells Fields, uh, you better be careful where you come. You know, you might not win the job for me. But that was all talk, apparently, as Martell moved on to Miami. So everybody's saying, I, I can speak for myself, I, I feel like most football fans figured that Martell was going to be the, the starter there. But it's actually, they tabbed, uh, they tabbed Jaron Williams. And I don't know, I've not heard, is Martell, is he transferring or what? Do you know? <laughs> I'm sure he's looking for another home right about now. But, yes, that's surprising <laughs> to me, too. Uh the the line is Florida at minus seven, and I I like Florida to uh, to win this ball game. I feel like, as you know, in past episodes, I'm a big believer in in season two and clown shoes. Mullen is in season two. He's supposedly the quarterback whisperer. Felipe Franks, he is man. He passes the eye test. I was listening to uh, to McElroy and uh, some dweeb that Zarzar left McElroy, and he got some dweeb on there now, some guy last name Cannell. I don't, I don't remember. I think he played in the ACC. I'm not sure. But uh, he mentioned that uh, Felipe Frank's like 6'4", 6'5", you know, 220. I mean, he is – he passes the eye test for quarterback, and I, I feel like he's he, – he did well toward the end of last year, and I feel like he's going to continue on. And, I mean, bottom line, it's ACC versus ACC – and I just, you know, outside of Clemson, like we've talked about, who in the ACC is going to do anything, make any noise at all. So I've got Florida winning this. Uh, I'm going to say they even cover the line. Well, you know, I looked at this game uh, a, a little, a little bit in depth. Um, did you know that Miami has won eight of the last ten of these games? Particularly if Did I tell you, that. well, particularly if I tell you the ten games span back to 1984, would you have guessed that? Uh, no, nah, I mean I know they played a, a couple of times when Tebow was there, and I guess if it, if Miami's won eight out of ten, I guess it was the Tebow years was when Florida won. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, Spurrier only played them once. I had to go back and look at that. I was just surprised, you know, all the way, all the way through the 90s. They didn't meet. Spurrier played them once. He got hammered. Um, but, you know, Florida last year, to me, was pretty unpredictable. I mean, they were just – well, for instance, they lost double digits to Kentucky, double digits to Missouri, and they were down 18 against Vanderbilt before they come back one late in the fourth. Then they turn around and beat LSU and just hammer Michigan in the bowl game. So very up and down, very roller coastery for me. Uh, but but I but I'm with you though. I, I feel like they have the better team. I feel like uh, top to bottom they should be better than Miami and Miami. You already hit on it, stole my thunder a little bit, but you know, with them announcing they're going with Jerry Williams over what everybody thought was a lock in Martell, that to me tells me that that quarterback situation is not not solid at all. 
the reason I say that is because Williams was there last year, and their quarterback situation was atrocious. If you remember, Miami had an awesome defense last year. They, I mean, they were really, really good. They were top ten defense mm-hmm. in the country, but their quarterback play was atrocious. And with that good of a defense and that poor of a quarterback play, you would have thought that if Williams had anything at all, I mean, he just didn't magically get a hundred times better over one a course of a one off season, did he? You know, I I, I just I would think not. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I that, you I, I would think that no, he did not. You know, uh, I don't think we're going to see Peyton Manning trot out there for uh, for the Hurricanes. And another thing, too, is, you know, I mean, and that's really all I have written down on my sheet. You know, I guess if people are looking for analysis from me, they're going to be sorely disappointed because I'm going to do a lot of gut feel on uh, on my picks. Uh, but I feel like that, that Miami will feel, you know, maybe they feel some pressure to play Martell or whoever the, the other guy is. I don't even know if Martell's, you know, the, the – uh, the scuttlebutt was that who's going to be second string? Is it going to be Martell or the other the the other guy who I don't can't even name right now? And um, so you know, let's say Williams performs like he did you know last year, which was not uh, too good apparently. I mean, I feel like that uh, Manny Diaz, first year coach, is going to feel the pressure to put Martell or the other guy in. Where Florida, they're rolling with Felipe Franks. I mean, it's just like. You know, he's the entrenched starter, same as two at Bama, same as Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for Miami, I, I feel. You know, two years ago, that's when you made the fantastic bet of uh, of them uh, winning the national title. What they start out ten and oh or something, end up losing to Pitt and losing to Clemson. But uh, you know, Rick caught lightning in a bottle. That the Miami team that is playing today, it's not the nineteen eighties Miami. It's not the two thousand one Ken Dorsey led Miami. So uh, I, I feel like Florida, the quarterback, is going to be the edge. And so you're in agreement with me that Florida takes them down, correct? Yeah, alligators winning and covering both. Nice. So if you're keeping score at home, um, Tom and I both have. Florida covering, so take Miami in the points. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on to uh, moving on to game number two. Now I, I have done a little bit more uh, research on this one, I guess, and a lot of it is just uh, general knowledge of Auburn. Because if if you know anything about me, you know that I hate Auburn. Uh, what? About as bad as I hate Tennessee. So wow. yes, I keep a tab keep a lot more tabs on them than I do uh, Florida or Miami. But we've got Auburn playing uh, playing Oregon at the, at a neutral site game in, in Dallas, which that's going to be a joke. I mean, uh, Auburn is going to take they, – they travel pretty well. You know the thing about Auburn, they do travel well, but uh, the old saying is they take uh, one pair of underwear and a $20 bill and they don't change either. So Dallas, don't get your hopes up of getting a big windfall at the restaurant and bar area because it won't happen. But I'm going to say Oregon, they're not, their fans are not going to make the, the long flight from, uh, from Eugene to Dallas to watch them play. So Auburn will have the crowd edge. But, uh, man, I just do, I do not know where to go with this game. Uh, the line's Auburn minus three, so – and it opened up at six. So it's been – so if you believe in the line, in line movement, that means that Vegas pounded Oregon early and it settled in at three. And uh, 
Oregon should win this ball game. I, I don't know that I don't know that they will. And the reason I say that, I, let's start with quarterbacks. Auburn, you know, from reading the the message boards, Tom, it looks like Auburn's going to start Bo Nix, the true freshman out of uh, where was he from? Not Mortimer, Jordan. I'm drawing up Clay. I'm drawing a blank. Pinson Valley. Yeah. Pinson Valley. That's where he's from. <laughs> you know, Gatewood has been there a couple of years, and um, you know he can't. Gatewood came out of spring, and the Auburn faithful had called him, had nicknamed him. Joey Greatwood, the same as uh, when Stidham came out of spring one year, they nicknamed him Studham. And now all of a sudden Greatwood is looking at playing second fiddle to Knicks. But I, I don't know how you feel about true freshman quarterbacks. And, and here's what has killed the perception of true freshman quarterbacks or, or even redshirt freshman quarterbacks because I think Tua was uh, – was he true freshman when we beat Georgia or redshirt? I can't – I, don't, I can't really remember. I know he wasn't the starter. Trevor Lawrence, of course, last year, true freshman quarterback. And there, there's been a, a number of true freshmen that have played early and played well. But here's the bottom line. Tua did not start his freshman year. He he played a lot, but he never started a game. And then Trevor didn't start until, what, game five? So to throw in, uh, to throw in Knicks to the Wolves, that is the Pac-12 defense, tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's, I, even though the, the Pac-12 defense is not going to be SEC caliber, it's going to be difficult for the young man. And on the fl- on the other other sideline, you've got Justin Herbert for Oregon. Why didn't this guy come out last year? Yeah, he, he would have been. I I feel like I mean hell, the Giants would have traded up to pick him. <laughs> they picked <laughs> the dude from Duke that everybody had going third round. So yeah. I, the quarterback edge definitely leans to to Oregon, uh, and then you know what? I'm gonna let you talk a little bit. I, I start. I, I meant to actually let you lead here because uh, I don't want to steal your thunder. I have a little bit more to talk about on Auburn, but go ahead and take it over. I, I've got quarterback edge to Oregon, and uh, you take out take off with what you want to say about this game, Tom. Well. I, this is going to be a springboard game for both teams, you know. Uh, and if you if if you've listened to our previous podcast, which likely you haven't, uh, I had Auburn finishing second in the West, which was, you know, that's a heck of a run to uh, uh, if you're going to finish second in the West. So I have them having a good year, but I also had Oregon as one of my sleeper teams to get the playoffs. So this is one of those games where I, you know, I really can't lose on prediction basis. One of them are going to be looking good, but if Auburn wins this game, uh, you know, with their schedule, they'll be three and zero headed to their first SEC matchup, which is a road game at A and M. Likewise, if Oregon wins it, they'll also be three and zero with a couple of cupcakes uh, headed to their first conference game at Stanford. So they're both like, I mean, just on eerily similar paths. Both of them are top ten teams or thereabouts, and you know the one that wins this game is going to have a leg up nationally. Now I'll tell you this: Auburn, the rest of the SEC, I get the feeling. Uh, cares little uh, to none whether or not Auburn wins or loses this game outside the uh, West Georgia folks. Oregon, on the other hand, I believe they have the entire Pac-12 behind them because they know they need an out-of-conference win like this that they hadn't had in a long time. They they need something like this as a resume booster to get them to, uh, you know, to the playoff. 
they they missed it last year. Their their best team that come out of the the Pac-12 last year, Washington, lost this exact game. Washington lost this exact game to Auburn last year. And this game, if 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 I remember right, it, neither team got much going, but Auburn, you know, squeaked it out. But you know, I did not know until you just brought it up. I missed that part uh, of them leaning towards Knicks. Uh, I was gonna say that. I thought Malzahn would be making a mistake if he didn't go with Gatewood for the simple fact that he made the big hubbub about really saving his job that he's going to start calling the plays again. He's going to go down in a blaze of glory. You know, can can he call plays with a drop-back quarterback, or is he going to call plays to force the quarterback into a situation that he's not really comfortable with? Or, you know, does he have that – gear where he can call a get different game plan for a different type of quarterback i hadn't seen him do that very well or his offenses do that very well maybe that was his coordinators but i have a hard time believing that so uh i mean the bottom line is and particularly because they're going nicks and you you were you were saying the same thing i think for a different reason but uh i think they're going to struggle with oregon's defense now auburn's auburn's defense is stout particularly their defensive line but that means you're just going to have to have a quarterback that gets back there and sling it all over the place and then yeah like you've already mentioned guess who's back there justin herbert who would have been a first round draft pick last year so yeah i give i give oregon the edge i'm surprised that auburn's actually favored um but uh it'd be a close game i wouldn't go betting the farm on this one literally because i do live on a farm but uh i like oregon (laughs) i like them yeah you uh and i'll I'll go ahead and finish up here like you touched on defense um you know auburn has auburn had two players that i can think of i mean uh marlon davidson and Derek brown Derek brown would have been i don't think he would have supplanted uh quinnon williams uh and i don't and of course oh of course, he never would have uh, supplanted the golden boy Nick Bosa, who is out for a substantial a substantial amount of time going into this season. Yeah, good job there, Niners, taking him over Quinnen. Yeah, I'm a little butthurt about that, if you can't tell. But I can tell. Derek Brown, Derek Brown was top 15 pick, and he came back. And ever, a lot of people think that he came back to so his younger brother could get an Auburn offer. And, and he did, and he went to Auburn. And the dude's offer list was like Middle Tennessee State – uh, Liberty, uh, UAB, and then Auburn swooped in and stole him right <laughs> I, from the clutches of Hugh Freeze I at hope Liberty. He starts so, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, me too. Let's let's put let's give him some reps at quarterback. <laughs> so, uh, but and what I, I did, like I said, I looked at this game a little bit more intently than I did the Florida Miami and Oregon. Auburn's offensive line. Like you, you joked about Oklahoma. The good news is they have nine starters back. The bad news is they has not, they have nine starters back. And Auburn's offensive line, they were trash last year. The good news is they have uh, all five starters back, so they hopefully have gelled some. The bad news is they have all five starters back, <laughs> and they're all five seniors. It it appears they're going to start all five seniors. Man, I, you know Gus. And what, this is another podcast for another day, but Gus better get it done this year because, man, next year is going to be brutal. He has not recruited well on the offensive line. Uh, he, you know, some of his defenders – some of his defenders that possibly can come back, but they should go pro. I think Nick Coe uh, fits in that category, and he's really turned it on in fall camp, it sounds like. 
But um, or back, Oregon's offensive line, they're a veteran offensive line. They they start three or four seniors, so it's going to be the trench warfare should be, um, should be pretty good, you know. And Crystal Ball is the coach for um, Crystal Ball is the coach for Oregon, you know, old offensive lineman. So you got to figure he'll have them in tip top shape. And uh, he coached at Bama for a number of years under Saban, so he knows what it takes to win in ACC ball. Uh, man, I've just got I I, I cannot. All the arrows, all the logical explanations point to Oregon, but we're dealing with Auburn, Tom, and logic goes out the door. Voodoo magic enters the door. Kick six enters the door. Prayer Jordan hair enters the door. So I'm going to have to go Auburn uh, winning, and I I don't know which way I'd go. Maybe the line, maybe Vegas has a line dead on, maybe 17-14, but that, the score leads me to what, if I had to take this game, I'd take the under. I don't think – I don't think Auburn can score a lot based on the the greenness of the quarterbacks, and I'm not sure Oregon can score a lot based on they're facing the ACC defense. So I'm going to say Auburn in a squeaker. Yeah, I definitely think the game can go either way. Uh, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm sticking with Oregon, but it could definitely go Auburn's way, and it wouldn't surprise me. But if Auburn does win the game, if they do win the game, Pac-12 last year lost this game with their best team, like I already mentioned. And what? how many losses did Auburn have last year? Five? They Yeah, they were 7-5 regular season and absolutely trounced uh, Purdue, Purdue in, the, yeah. in uh, the Music City Bowl. That's right. Yeah. So, so you know, the best Pac-12 team lost to, uh, you know, a 7-5 regular season uh, SEC team. Oregon and Washington, if you want to believe the polls, are, are basically side-by-side. Side. They're equivalent. So if their best team, again, goes down to Auburn in the opener, it's going to be a crusher for them all year. But, you know, we'll see. Yep. All right. Now, the next segment we're going to talk about is for you degenerates. We're going to look at um, uh, lines. So we, we've not done this yet on a podcast, but the season is nigh. So uh, – Tom, I, I text you and ask you to take a couple of game, a couple of three games. I have selected two. Uh, my first game I have is Bama versus Duke. Vegas has a line at 34, and I'm going to tell you right now, bet on Bama. A couple of reasons here. Saban is – well, first off, Duke's quarterback, first-round draft pick to the New York Giants, is gone. And oh, too bad. Nick Saban, a couple of reasons – I really feel like that he is tired of the – I feel like he's tired of Clemson, tired of the ACC chirping because, buddy, those Clemson fans are chirping and they have every right to chirp. But be careful because when you chirp, you're going to have to answer for it eventually. I feel like Saban is going to send a message to the ACC, hey, we are not dead yet. And – this the the second reason. This came from a guy. I think it was a red red elephant club meeting, and a, I got a buddy that knows somebody that knows somebody that's pretty close to the program. You're and practically he's, you know, in the Saban room. is all about the team. He's very diplomatic. Uh, yeah, um, you know, he's very diplomatic about his answers for you know the the Butkus Award, the Nagurski, the Heisman, the playoff bid. You know, does he get a playoff bid? Like he was asked the other day, 150 years of college football. Who do you think the best quarterback to ever play the game? Something like that, and he said Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> you know, so he is very uh, measured with his answers. 
but I heard from a very reliable source that when Tua did not win the Heisman, he was freaking pissed, you know, because I mean Tua deserved it. I don't know if we have. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this. I know I've talked about it with Gober. If you flip, you know, basically Tua lost the Heisman, air quotes, lost the Heisman in the last weekend at you know versus Georgia, one of the top. I know they laid an egg in the in the Sugar Bowl, but they were freaking stout last year. I mean, if anybody says they weren't a top five team, you're kidding yourself. And um, you know, a week after Tua had what thrown five touchdowns against Auburn, if you flip flop those games, if we had to play Georgia. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and he got injured and had to go out. And, and, you know, I think he still had a touchdown or two against Georgia. Uh, I think he had two. So we scored 35 points. And then if we got to play Auburn in Atlanta and he torched Auburn, he's the Heisman Trophy winner. So Saban was not happy that he didn't win the Heisman. You know, Saban believed in the body of work. And uh, I I feel like he sends a message with Tua, I'm taking Bama in the thirty-four. Yeah, I like that. I, What's your I like, first game? I like coming out of the the gates with Bama and Clemson both this year. That those are not my games, but I just like that pick because I, I I entertain using that myself. Uh, I think both teams will come out while Vegas still adjusts the lines. If Vegas didn't catch up to those teams last year, and I know they're going to start them a little bit inflated mm-hmm. this year, but I still. I'd, I'd take my chances till they caught up with them. Uh, I expect them to come out quick, so I like your pick. But uh, my first one, uh, a, a lot of games that I'll pick this year, whether I'm on the uh, uh, the good side of even or not, I'll continue to do this because this is the, the thing that I've always done is, is that, yeah, you won't see me crunching a b- bunch of numbers and running this scenario and that scenario and what ifs and blah, blah, blah. I like to look at uh, games that Vegas has lines on that look too good to be true. They look like what we call fishy lines, you know, something that like Joe Q. Public looks at and goes, man, I'm all over that. And he asks his buddy and they're all all over it, you know, and everybody's thinking the same way. And those games never win. If they're too good to be true, they're just too good to be true. I found one that I feel like is uh, falls slightly into that category or actually two. Um, but there'll be some really good ones over the course of the year. It's hard when there's not any games played because you don't have that footing to to really make some uh, concrete decisions on. But uh, one of them I've got is Virginia Tech and Boston College. Tech is a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite over Boston College. Going on the road to Boston College. Now, this is a team – that Virginia Tech lost to last year at home by double digits. You know, Tech went six and seven last year, was pretty mediocre at best for most of the year. Uh, and now they're going to open up the new season with not a lot of changes, but they're going to go on the road, ACC game, to a team that beat them by double digits last year at home, and they're going to open up as a road favorite. So I'm going to take uh, the Hokies. Uh, to rebound in the opener and cover that two and a half. Okay. So my second game is Mississippi State versus Louisiana Lafayette. And as you can probably guess, if you've listened to the pod, the previous podcast, I'm not on the Mississippi State bandwagon. I think 22 and a half points is entirely too much because it, the, first off, the games at New Orleans – 
I don't know what the team's travel plans are going to be, but I know this: if I had a team, if we if we had one extra day at a at a place, I would not want it to be New Orleans. I would not want it to be Las Vegas. I would not want it to be South Beach. I would hope we were playing in Detroit, Michigan, or somewhere. So the fans are going to they're, they're going to travel. Apologize to our game, Detroit listeners uh, for the fans, but uh, <laughs> they. Uh, the fans, are, you know, what time are they going to show up to the game? I, I think it's an early kick. It's going to be like uh, the Vanderbilt crowd. You know, they always get there about halftime. So it's – and the quarterback situation at State, you know, we've talked about Keaton Thompson was the heir apparent. Uh, Moorhead brought in some guy from Penn State. I think he's going to have to play both. Louisiana Lafayette's going to be pumped up. You know, you got to figure most of those kids – we're striving for SEC offers. There, you got to figure they're from Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, parts of Texas and Arkansas. They were clamoring for SEC offers. The SEC offers never came. They end up at Louisiana Lafayette. I've got Louisiana Lafayette covering the twenty-two and a half. Not a bad pick, my friend. Not a bad pick. Uh, I've got another one that I feel like qualifies in 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 the type of game I'm looking for. You've got Memphis as a six-point favorite over Ole Miss. Now, let's just think about that and step back a second. Yeah, Ole Miss, along with Arkansas, last year in the SEC were terrible. They were. There's no two ways around that. But from a a grand perspective, you've got Memphis, who they're in a conference. I don't even remember which conference Memphis is in. Are they in the uh, Conference USA, I think, maybe? they're a six-point favorite. Yeah, I believe over, so. Yeah, they're a six-point favorite over an SEC West team. Just, just let that sink in for a second. In an opener, they're a favorite over an SEC West team, and not a close one, a six-point favorite. So that's, you know, that's a that's a line that shouldn't exist, but it exists for a reason. So I am taking Memphis, uh, and you can. I think that's probably my favorite game of the weekend. So go ahead and book that one. All right, so recapping your four, your opening weekend four star or four game ten star lock parlay is Bama, Super Louisiana lock. Lafayette, Georgia Tech, and Memphis. <laughs> we this is our lock of the of the year. We hesitate to give our lock of the year out so early, but we feel we feel like you can move on this game as if they've already been played, like it's already been played. <laughs> All right, uh, the meaningless sports topic of the day. I, I feel like we're hurrying through this because I've got to look at the timer, Tom. We're we're, we're getting uh, we're bloviating too much. Uh, oh. Myself as being the the guilty party. But our meaningless sports topic of the day is uh, what changes would you make to the college football playoffs? And I'm going to go through mine very quickly. I'm talking sixty seconds because as you. You have told me your idea, and when you told me, I was like, he's out of his mind. But the more I got to thinking about it, dude, I love your college football playoff scenario. So, first off, mine, I've got eight teams in the playoffs. I've got the five conference champions, and then I've got three wild cards. And we're going to keep the committee, even though it might not be a very popular decision to some. Uh, I, I, I want the committee involved because we don't want – an overrated 11 and 1 Notre Dame team slipping in like they like an overrated Notre Dame 12 and 0 team slipped in last year they were terrible anyway we're going to play they we're going to continue with the 12 game schedule we're going to continue with championship weekend 
And so after championship sun, uh, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to have a selection committee. Our five uh, conference champs are automatically in. The committee selects uh, teams, the, the, re the remaining three teams. And just because you're conference champion doesn't mean you get a, a top five seed. I mean, we're going to rank the teams because, you know, if, if Bama goes in – undefeated and then florida a 10 a 9 and 3 florida team upsets bama uh you know bama deserves to be higher than them in my opinion so uh we're going to select eight teams the the top four seeds are going to host the fir the first weekend so uh what we're going to do is we're going to play championship weekend. The next weekend we're going to have uh, Army-Navy and we're going to have the Heisman presentation. And then the next weekend after that, so two weeks removed from the championship weekend, we're going to play uh, the first round, the eight teams. We will pair down to four teams, and then we're just right back to where we are. We're, we're, we have the uh, bowl sites that host one versus four and three, uh, two versus three. And then championship, uh, the CFP will be, you know, what, January 11th, 12th, 13th, whatever. But that's mine. Short and sweet. Uh, we are not giving out an automatic uh, bid to the highest uh, group of five team. No. What? If, uh, Central Florida deserved it two years ago. They would have gotten a bid. But that's not always going to happen. And if you you to be a group of five team, you better be undefeated. You have no chance in my system if you go 11 and 1. So you better be undefeated, and you better have at least one to two decent wins on your resume. So that's that's my uh, playoff, the changes I would make in a nutshell. Eight teams, three five conference champions, three wild cards. Now, let's hear yours because yours is so much better than mine. <laughs> well, I don't know that, but I do have a couple of, diff couple of differing opinions. But I'd take yours right now over the, the existing system, so there's, there's that. But before I get into breaking into the, the playoff uh, that I have put together, I want to I I caveat it with this. You know, first off, why would anybody play a game where they had zero shot of winning? winning a championship in particular i'm not talking you know having a long shot at it i'm talking zero so and let me let me let you know what i mean by that so here's a question for you can anyone from the Sun Belt conference get into the playoffs i don't know who the Sun Belt teams are but i'm going to say no troy's in that conference no chance uh so here, here we go. There, there are five non-Power Five conferences, the group of five. Uh, the teams and the players in those leagues have zero chance of making the playoffs, regardless of the record, uh, unless Bernie Sanders becomes president. Then they might have a, a little bit of a <laughs> shot. But otherwise, they have zero. All right? These guys don't play for anything. I mean, why would you play the game and the sport and not have anything to play for? I just don't understand that concept. Uh, you know, and I, I don't want to hear about, oh, we need to give these guys a shot either. Uh, you know, this ain't everybody gets a trophy day. You don't see us jumping, and when I say us, you don't see the Power Five conferences jumping up and down because the NFL didn't let us get a team in their playoff. I mean, they're two different leagues. You know, it's two different standards. They shouldn't even be included in, you know, the overall FBS series. I mean, they just shouldn't. They're not playing for anything. But 
I'm not just sitting here downing them. I'm just saying, hey, there should be a better solution to them. And there are. There's two solutions to this problem. You know, they, they're all going inclusive, 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 get us in here. No, that's that's not the solution. I just, you know, use the NFL example. That's, that's, that's not it. But there are two solutions. First off, which is the most obvious, make your own group of five playoff. I mean, that just makes the most sense. Everybody has a chance to play for a championship over there. You can do it however you want to. You know, and, and you're not on level with a power five, but, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You can do that. Uh, but if they don't accept that answer and they, oh, we can play with the big boys, we can do it, There, there's a chance. There, there's a, a way that you can play with the big boys and you can remove your zero chance of probability. That that probability chance as far as just pure, you know, can I get in on the merits goes away completely. And that is secede from your conference. Become an independent. If you become an independent, you can make whatever schedule you want to. You can play four SEC teams, a couple of Big 12 teams, and three or four Big 10 teams. You run that gauntlet, you're in. You're in, pal. So, you know, you have that decision to get yourself in the playoff. You, you just don't sit up here and scream, oh, we should be in. You can do it. It's, it's fully within your capability if you want to do that. But... If you want to compete for a title, you go independent or you'll make your own conference championship. Don't don't try to bully your way into hours over what, what it really amounts to politics. Know your role. Anyway, back to the question at hand. What would I change about the current playoff format? It's easy. It's very easy to me because I've thought about this for a long time. I would move to an 11-team playoff on the surface that sounds absurd. Nobody ever even thinks about that. But because we do have Power 5 conferences, or five Power 5 conferences, I have the same same similar strategy as you is that the, all the, the five conference winners would get automatic bids. That would leave six at-large teams. All right? But... Not only do the five conference winners get an automatic bid, they also get a first-round buy. This is where you and I differed a little bit. You were talking about reseeding them and not talking about conference championships. I don't like your idea, particularly in your scenario where you said that a 12-0 Bama plays a 9-3 Florida and Florida beats them, we should be ranked higher. If you... If you do not put the caveat in there that winning your conference champion means something, heck, Saban may start resting his quarterback for that game. Well, he's locked for the playoffs, so what are we playing for, you know? You make, you make it where if you win your conference championship, you get a first-round bye. That first-round bye is huge in a playoff like this. When there, are, when there are all good teams, when you've got the top 11 teams in the country, that is absolutely huge. But So that makes the conference championship still relevant. But the six at-large teams, there will be no automatic G5 qualifier, just like you said. You know, rewind the podcast to about 45 seconds to go and figure out my thoughts on that. So, no, they're not getting in. Um, And as far as selecting the six, I don't care. You can use the old BCS system. You can use the current committee. You can use computers. You can use humanoids, maybe even a cool machine I haven't even heard of yet. I can guarantee you that your team absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, did not do enough to get deserve in the playoffs if you're on the bubble with 11 bids. Most likely the 8th through 11th place teams would, wouldn't have done enough most years to even 
get a consideration in the playoff. As a matter of fact, I went back and looked at the history of the playoff here. In 17, there was one three-loss team. Last year, there were three three-loss teams in the top 11 of the final rankings. There were three mm-hmm. last year, one in 17. There were four in 16. Uh, none in 15, but then there were three in 14. If you've lost three times, your argument is crap. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've lost three times and you were fortunate enough to get in the playoffs, you need to go play the lottery. You need to, you know, thank your lucky stars. You are lucky to be there. But there's always at least a three-team, a three-loss team that's most likely going to end up in that 11 spot. So don't don't be jumping up and down saying we should have got in over somebody else. You have plenty of opportunities to make the playoffs if you had three losses. Um, so in the first week, you have the six at-large teams. They'll play each other while the other five are kicked back on a bye, and that whittles them down to three. I would definitely seed those teams where there was home games uh, for the top top three teams of that at-large six. They all get a home game. That leaves three winners, and they will join the five for an 18 playoff, basically, to, to move on from there. And even then, it's still advantageous to, to win that conference because even in the first round of eight, I still say we play at the campuses, and that first game uh, has home field advantage. So it's, it's very, very critical that you get in the top four this eliminates, you know, a lot of people kept going, oh, it's devaluing the regular season, devaluing regular With these securities in place, it won't. It will force a team not only to play to the end, but absolutely have to win their conference championship to put themselves in the best position to win it all. So they get home field advantage there, and then after that 18 plays, I'm back on your plan. You go back to exactly what we got here. You got four teams. You go to neutral sites. Play it out just the way it is. I think that's, I mean, that's that's perfect. I, I like it. You know, another huge, huge plus of this system is your non-conference matchups during the regular season, they, they matter, but they don't hurt you as much as if you lose. And so think about that. That has not been the case. If they matter, then it's good that you play them. If it doesn't hurt you if you lose, it, it, there's no downside for it. Now, when I say it doesn't hurt you, it hurts you mm-hmm. if you're trying to go for an at-large bid. But if you're playing out of conference, you can still win your conference and be in the top five. I'm just point blank. So get out there, uh, play a, some teams. That's a, a great point. Yeah, get get rid that's of all the point. rest of the uh, you know uh, the uh, you know uh, just you jog my memory when you said the the out of conference. You know what in 2016? Um, I think I've got the years. Let's see when did. Clemson beat us in 18 – or they beat us in, uh, yeah, the 18 season and then the 16 season. 2016, uh, Ohio State and Oklahoma played. Ohio State won, and it came down between those two teams for the final spot. Ohio State got it, so it hurt Oklahoma. The next year, uh, Oklahoma beat them, and Oklahoma got the nod in the that, that final spot in the playoffs or what, what was deemed the final spot. So – yeah, definitely. That uh, the, both those teams that got left out in sixteen and seventeen, respectively, would have been in under under my model or your model. But I like your model, Tom. Uh, get the commissioner on the line and let's let's get it started as soon as we can. Dial him up. I'm ready. <laughs> 
All right, couple of things left to do before we close out. Uh, Instagram model of the day. We have. Uh, I found another one, Tom. I sent you a picture today. I know she's a head turner. Uh, her name is, I don't know her real name, Carly Joe, but uh, her Instagram moniker is Cup of Carly Joe. Cup of Carly Joe. That's C U P of Carly is spelled C A R L I E, and then Joe is J O. And she is scantily clad in all of her Instagram photos, and she's lives in Kent, Washington, and she owns, I think she owns the coffee shop, I know she works there, called Bikini Beans, and if you're in Kent, Washington, and you would like a cup of coffee, you can go to Bikini Beans, and Carly Joe will serve you up a fresh, hot, popping cup of coffee in very, very few clothes, uh, bikini bottom, and a lot of times pasties up top, if you know what I mean. But uh, Carly Joe hmm. is our Instagram model of the day. Thomas sent you a picture. What did you think about her? It appears she has a cat fetish, uh, according to the picture you sent me. And there's something weird going on with her waist. I mean, she's attractive, but man, you you should see Deb in an outfit similar to this. <laughs> Very. She she fills it out beautifully. This is you know. Mm, you're not going to see Deb in an outfit like that, by the way. That's for my eyes only. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I think Deb still gets the nod here. Uh, I will try again next podcast, Tom. You're you're a tough customer. Uh, let's get to our mailbag, and uh, let me reach in here, get out a, a letter. Oh, oh, found one right here. Wow, you're never going to believe where this lady's from, Debbie from Intercourse, Alabama. That is a real place. Wow. Yes, I looked it up yeah, today. Yeah, I've heard of it. I looked it up today. <laughs> Intercourse, Alabama. So she asked Tom and Jason, Can the what guys constitutes find it? a tackle? Uh, <laughs> You're good. thinking of something else. <laughs> <laughs> good question, Debbie. Good question. Tackle. That's, that's one of my favorite parts of the game, the tackle. Here's what constitutes a tackle, Debbie. It's when when the offensive team has possession of the ball, the object uh, pretty much of the entire game is for the defensive team to get that ball carrier to the ground. Uh, and and there are several ways of accomplishing this. And, and the most uh, the most prevalent way is called the tackle. And the defensive guy will forcibly try to uh, make the offensive uh, carrier, ball carrier's guy, uh, his knee hit the ground, his elbow hit the ground, his shoulder, anything besides the hand, ankle, feet um, that touches the ground, the ball carrier is down and he is deemed to be tackled. Uh, it doesn't have to be pretty. You know, that It could be a monster Cornelius Bennett Burline tackle to a, a shoestring, you know, just a flick of uh, the little heel and the guy slips down and, and falls down his knee touches tackle. But any of those qualify, and at the end of the day, as long as the ball carrier has possession, but one of those extremities hits the ground outside of what uh, I had mentioned with the hands, feet, uh, uh, then that carrier is down and he is deemed to be tackled. Excellent, excellent work. And good question, Debbie. And uh, so that wraps yes, up uh, episode 
it wraps up episode four of our podcast of uh, I'm not targeting, you're targeting. And uh, I don't know, it's, we're going to really max out Tom's uh, editing skills because I lost internet service here in prestigious Red Bay, Alabama. And uh, so we had to count ourselves back in. It, it could be a disaster, but we'll see. I, I've got faith in you, Tom. Uh, in closing, uh, remember, if you're from Intercourse, Alabama, and you're going to Auburn, you go slightly north, just slightly north till you smell it, and then east till you step in it. Take it easy, guys.